Thank you, mate. We did have a quick conversation beforehand, knowing the amount of things that were going to be mentioned in the, what we call the celebration slot. We said we might have to go for the shorter declaration today because there is one of them that goes on for quite a while. It's great stuff, but it does go on a bit. I also just must thank Chrissy for using the word smashing. Have a smashing retirement, she said. I, I think that smashing should come back. I don't use smashing. That's smashing. It's so British. I loved it. Uh, so thank you, to, thank you to Chrissy for that. She'll love me pointing it out as well. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Heaven's Hope, the final one. Here we go. We have been taking this uh, closer look at Colossians. We, haven't, we knew we weren't going to get time to finish uh, the whole of Colossians at the pace we were going. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. You have got time to read the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4 another time. But God's Word is powerful in changing lives. And that's God's written word, yes, but also the now word, the alive word from God, the prophetic word, what's sometimes called the rhema word. God's word is powerful in changing lives. And the Bible makes it absolutely clear, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So when God speaks to us, it is like food, it is fuel for our bodies. So as with all Um, studying of the Bible. It's not to fill our heads with information, as we keep saying, but lead our hearts into revelation. Because revelation brings life. Information can bring life, but information also can just simply bring a head full of knowing stuff that never actually brings you into life at all. Now, this morning... The, the passage, the bit we're looking at, isn't that long, but oh my word, it is probably the meatiest one that we've had. Um, so like a, a decent preacher person gets it down to three points. I'm giving you about 20, and you can just pick the ones you like. All right, so just let God speak to you. Um, just see what he says. Let some of them just like, no idea, yeah, that thing, you know. So I do actually manage to put three things down on a, on a piece of paper at the end type thing, but it's a bit arbitrary because it's like phrase after phrase after phrase of like, whoa, that's heavy, that's heavy, that's hard hitting, that's, oh my goodness, then the next bit, it's a bit like that. But anyway, let's go through it together. Um, oh, sorry. There we are. Here we go. So Colossians 3, uh, and we are starting at verse 12, we're starting yet again with a therefore, we'll come back to that. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Amazing. Let's launch straight in because we haven't got time. Oh, yeah, we're coming on to that. Ah, yes. Okay. So the therefore, as we said, whenever you see a therefore, you have to see what it's there for. And so the bit before this was the bit we talked about last week where it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, da da da. You used to walk in these ways, you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. And we said, be warned, there's a list. Try not to become legalistic about a list of shouts and shout nots. Da 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 da. So therefore, as God's chosen people, he's saying, okay, so you're God's chosen people. Therefore, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But hang on a minute. God's chosen people? God's chosen people? God chose us? God chose you? No offence, God chose me? God saw me, knew me, chose me. Diss me all you like, the creator of heaven and earth picked me out. And he picked you out. God's chosen people. Now the invitation is extended to all, but nevertheless, I'm taking that for now. I am a chosen person and a part of a chosen people. Holy. What does that mean? Well, set apart. God's called people, chosen people, and called them as a body, called them out. That's all it means, separated. Holy, dearly loved. Not even just loved. Not even liked. Dearly loved. It's like a, oh, it's a dear thing. Dearly loved. So as God's chosen people, that's us, holy, dearly loved. Clothe yourself. Now, this is interesting, the clothe yourself. Because we have this, um, we have this thing where, where we are certain things and yet we also need to be certain things. In other words, we spoke last week about the invisible flume realm. For those of you that were here, that's this picture here. There we go. That's that picture there. And we spoke last week about the flume. And there's this invisible flume realm above us. There isn't literally. This is metaphorical for any of you who are like, has he lost the plot? Um, You need to listen to last week's talk. We haven't got time to go through it all again. But there is that other realm. There is the heavenly realm. And we are partakers and members of, if you've said yes to Jesus, you belong in that heavenly realm. And you are also belonging clearly to this earthly realm. We exist here and we exist there. So, clothe yourself, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. There's something about this that made me think of Joseph, Old Testament Joseph. When his dad, who dearly loved him, wanted him to be set apart. So he gave him the most incredible coat that was radiant, that spoke of life and love and reflected the heavenly realm. And God gives us the same and says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. So let's just very quickly shoot through some of those words. Compassion means literally 
to ha- it's not very nice what it literally means. It means to have your bowels yearn. That's what compassion means. That's literally the translation of the word compassion. To have your bowels yearn. There's such a longing that it comes from here. It's not, oh, I feel sorry for you. Let me chuck you a fiver. It's a, it's a, it's a thing from here. Kindness. I think we all kind of know what kindness is, right? Humility. Okay, we really haven't got time. We could spend a week on humility, but we haven't got time. It's this. I am who God says I am. Nothing more, nothing less. That's humility. Humility isn't I'm a worm. No, you're not. That's not what the Bible says. Oh, I'm just a sinner. Oh, you might be. In that case, say yes to Jesus. Then you become a saint. It's amazing. So humility is not trying to elevate yourself, not being proud, haughty, nor is it lowering yourself, I'm just a nothing and all that. Jesus didn't die on the cross for a nothing. So humility is, I am who God says I am. Nothing more, but nothing less either. Gentleness, which we know, as I tell Ashford Singh so often, power under perfect control. Gentleness is not feebleness. That Christian man handshake that does this, that thing. That's not what gentleness is. Gentleness is power under perfect control. And finally, patience. Yes, it is long-suffering, patience, but it's also about constancy, consistency, steadfastness. So we are to clothe ourselves in these things. We're going to keep moving says, bear with each other and forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. So we have to bear with each other. We have to bear with each other. And this actually, as it happens here, um, Paul is writing specifically to a church. So this isn't even like, oh, you have to bear with your neighbor. Well, you have to have sympathy for them because they don't know Jesus yet. Actually, as it happens in this context, he is talking to the church. You've just got to bear with one another, especially when it gets near the end of term. We have to bear with one another. And forgive as the Lord forgave you. So as we are patient and bearing with one another, we have to bear in mind that it's not other people's fault that you're not where you should be in God. Let me say that again. And let the discomfort of that just settle a moment. You have to bear with other people because it's not their fault that you're not where you could be in your relationship with God. What do I mean by that? Well, according to 2 Peter, we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need for life and godliness. So that means we are, and this is tough, we are without excuse for responding in any way other than the way in which Jesus would respond. Ouch! It's like I fail before I get out of bed. But even so, he's saying this is why you need to bear with each other and forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is non-optional. It is non-optional. It says, as the Lord forgave us. Now, this is really tricky because God forgave me in advance. God declared his forgiveness of me probably about 2,000 years before I was even born. 
So that means we need to forgive each other before the other person's even done something. I'm just putting it out on the table. Whatever you do, I'm forgiving. Ow, that feels like a recipe for someone just to come and hurt me. That's what that feels like. But this is what we're asked. Forgiveness, we are, we are told to, if you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then it says this, and over all these virtues, put on love. So like, this is the ultimate jacket that goes on top of all the others. It's the uniting element. It's the trump card. It's the ace of hearts. The most powerful emotion of all, preferring others. So let's just recap on that first bit because we've shot through it pretty fast because there is so much coming up. As God's chosen people, we're chosen. We are holy, set apart, very much loved. We are to clothe ourselves, put the jacket on of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. The amazing thing is, if we're being told to clothe ourselves, we must have that clothing available. Or else Paul can't tell us to do something that we can't do. That would be crazy. So that's amazing. We're told to clothe ourselves in that way. Bear with each other. Okay, bear with. Forgive one another. If you have a grievance against anyone, you need to forgive as God forgave you, which is he forgave you in advance and of everything. And then overall, the top of the whole lot, put on love, which binds them all together. It makes sense of them all. It's the thread that runs between every single one of them. And we move on. This is fast today. I hope you're keeping up. Now, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Okay. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What does that mean? The peace of Christ, let's go there first of all. So the peace of Christ is the nature of who God is. And the peace of Christ is the, is the sense of that. For the podcast, I was smiling as I sighed. It wasn't a sigh of exasperation. It was a sigh of when you have worked all day and then you sit down with a sparkling, chilled glass of water with lemon and lime in. And you, for some of you, like, no, Chris, you mean wine or gin or beer or whatever is your drink of fancy. It's that on the outside and on the inside, that sense of tranquility and wholeness, completeness that is Oh, I am okay. So this bit here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it can be translated like this, and some versions do translate it. I think the Amplifier does it this way. Let peace be your umpire. Wow. Hang on a minute. So the peace of, the peace of Jesus, that tranquil state is supposed to reign in us, but it's also that sense of an umpire, as in play on or out. So how about this? How about in decision making, our aim is to get peace? So I would say that peace is a much better indicator than, say, 
everything lining up, in quotes, or it makes sense. I mean, what would it look like if before, if peace were ruling in our hearts before we even got out of bed in the mornings? What about if we ensured that peace was ruling in our hearts before we went into a big meeting? Rather than anxiety, that we actually found that place. I just need to go and be with God a minute. There it is. There's the peace of God. I'm okay. I'm okay. So we have been hallmarked to be a people who are intimately acquainted with peace. You might have seen this on T-shirts. Horribly cheesy. I've never owned this T-shirt. But no God, no peace. K-N-O-W. Ha ha. It's one of those things. But anyway, no God, without God, there can be no peace. No God, and we can know peace. The Passion Translation translates this verse this way. Let your heart always be guided by the peace of the Anointed One who called you to peace as part of his one body. So this, Joyce Meyer said this. She says this, I try to run my life by finding peace. If I am shopping, I don't buy something if I don't have peace about it. If I am involved in a conversation and find myself losing my peace, I become quiet. When I make decisions, I look at the options before me and see where the peace is. When I'm trying to discern between the voice of God and the other voices that compete for my attention, I listen to see which voice or message brings that peace of God into my heart. I have learned that maintaining peace is important in order to maintain power in our lives. When we don't have peace, we may very well be making a serious mistake. I would go as far as to say, this is still Joyce Meyer, we should never act without peace. We might say that peace is an internal confirmation that God approves of the decision we have made. God always leads us by peace. Big deal. I have bought things and made big decisions before when I've pushed through that absence of peace. Just, yeah, but I really want it, or whatever it is, I, I really feel this, or whatever. One of the best ways, actually, how about for those people who struggle with their weight in either direction... I know Joyce Meyer, um, funnily enough, I wasn't going to say any of this, she talks about this, and she says, eat when you feel peaceful. You know, the Holy Spirit can guide you should you have that piece of chocolate cake. There's nothing wrong with chocolate cake. Maybe the eighth one in that hour may be a little bit excessive. Just check with God, just check in. Have you still got peace about eating that? Some wisdom there, I think. And I love this bit here, right in the middle of your screens, pretty much. And be thankful. Oh, yeah. Drop that bombshell in. Three words. I like, and be thankful. These three words I've put can transform our world. I think there is such an assault at the moment on being grateful. There is such an assault on each of us any person, anywhere, being grateful. And certainly the times I've come across the most grateful people are they're the people who have very little. I remember doing like a mission, ministry trip type thing to India 
and most of the people I came across had virtually nothing. And yet they were the smiliest people I've ever come across. I come back to Britain, where most of us have plenty of stuff, and we just perpetually moan about the weather, or Brexit, or masks, or sickness, or the neighbours, or this, or that. Oh, I can't find anything to watch on Netflix, Disney+, Amazon Prime, BBC One, two, three, and so it goes on. It is so easy that the more we have to be less grateful and we moan at God. Oh God, I just want this. And he says, I've given you some stuff already and you're moaning about that. Why am I going to give you more stuff to moan about? There is something about finding that place of gratitude. The opposite really seems to be this attitude of entitlement. And you could ask anyone, how do you feel about entitlement? Yeah, I don't like it. Well, yeah, none of us like it, unless it's us being entitled. And then what we do is we call it a different name. We call it injustice or something like that, and then just continue to moan about it. Anyway, um, so it's a little bit like this, this idea that most Christians, most people who've said yes to him, are happy to be called servants until they're treated like one. Oh, it's an uncomfortable talk this morning, isn't it? So I find it easier... On this be thankful, I must admit, I, I, I sat at my desk and I just spent a moment with God on this one. Kind of stopped typing, stopped making a few notes. I feel like I'm a grateful person. I feel like I am. Just talk to me, God. Am I, am I not? Am I missing something here? And I felt God prompt me and say, Chris, you're really good at being grateful for physical things. And it's true, I am. I'm, I'm genuinely really grateful I never really moan about food or anything. I'm honestly, I'm just grateful to have food on the table. Not that I'm so sort of short on money that I wouldn't be able to put food on the table. I'm very grateful God has blessed me and that's all okay. But every time I eat, honestly, I thank God. I don't moan about the food. I'm always grateful to the person who's cooked it, all that. I'm really grateful for my house so many times, particularly in the winter when it's been freezing cold outside and you come in and you just, and it's warm. You go, oh, God, thanks. So many things to be grateful for. And God said to me, you're really good at being grateful for your family, for your house, for the food, the car, your laptop, your calling, all those kind of things. But you're not always very grateful that you're a son of the Most High. And I realize there's so many things that God has given me that are not tangible. I can't physically touch them. And I'm not very good at staying thankful for those. The tricky thing is, this verse says, forget the and. It just says, effectively it says, be thankful. Now, it doesn't say, say some thank yous. If it did... I might scrape in by the skin of my teeth. It says, be thankful. So this becomes who you are. This is meant to become who we are. It isn't something we do. It will come out in what we do, but only because it's rooted in who we are. Are you a thankful person? If you're not sure, ask some people around you who know you. I don't mean necessarily people in here. But people who know you, am I, am I a thankful person? Just ask them and then stand back 
I don't know. It might surprise you. Maybe, maybe you all are. Maybe it's just me. It's super quiet. Anyway, there's more. Maybe you're not feeling God much at the moment. You're like, I just, I don't know, that peace thing you talked about, Chris. I don't really feel particularly able to connect with him. I don't know. I feel like, yeah, maybe I've just drifted, gone a bit cold, all that kind of thing. It's impossible to drift from the love of God. Uh, we can drift from giving him our attention. But anyway, the thing is, I almost guarantee that one of the things that you or I have stopped doing if we're feeling that is we've stopped being thankful. The Psalms make it absolutely clear, for those who are old enough, you cannot hear these verses without singing the song, I will enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And then I will enter his courts with praise. Right. So don't forget that he's speaking of the temple, which was the Old Testament version of how you connected with God's presence. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, thankfulness, being grateful. And that turns into praise. So your gratitude goes into arms being raised. So I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. That was it, wasn't it? Something like that. He has made me glad. And then the Christian clap. Um, So the thing, therefore, is you can hashtag this if you want. Grumpy people make naff worshippers. Grumpy people make naff worshippers. Those people who just moaning about everything, can't find anything to be grateful for, are going to really struggle to worship. Because you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you enter his courts, the next layer in, with praise. Three words. And be thankful. Could have done the whole talk just on that. Instead, we're cracking on. So let the message of Christ Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Another underused word, a smashing word it is too. With all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So um, this first bit, let the message of of Christ dwell among you richly. Um, The message translation has a great rendition of this. It says, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. And it says, as you teach and admonish, so you've got teach, admonish, instruct, direct, um, are the key words there. And you teach and instruct one another with all wisdom, wisdom is just simply the application of knowledge. You know stuff, and then, but how do we bring that to bear in this situation? So he says, let the message of Jesus, let the heart of everything that Jesus spoke about and was dwell among you richly. Let it have the run of the house as you speak to each other, encourage each other, correct each other, yes, and say, hey, what's going on with you? I don't think you're making a good decision. I mean, don't just go up to people and say that. But like you're in relationship with them. When it says, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, 
I don't think it means particularly that you're supposed to sing instructions to each other. I don't, I mean, each to their own, right? I had a girlfriend some 30 years ago, and she loved musicals. And she would sing at me. She would just like, and it was only just enthusiasm, but she would just come up to me and and just say, bring him home, like that. And I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, don't sing at me. Sing over there. Just don't face the other way. But it's like, I don't think that's what it's meant to be. Um, That as you maybe encourage someone with a a Bible verse, you say, I'm just going to sing you a verse. Uh, I mean, uh, um, maybe, I don't know. Maybe we should start that. It It could be really fun. I think really that what it's saying is there's something about that attitude of thankfulness. Look again. Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with what? Gratitude. There it is again. Paul's saying you've got to nail this thankfulness thing. With gratitude in your hearts. More of that, probably slightly less singing at each other unless it really takes your fancy. Lastly, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Passion Translation, again, has a lovely rendition of this verse. It says, Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Jesus has done. Absolutely beautiful. Excuse me, you haven't got it up there, so I'm going to read it to you again. Let every activity of your lives, every word that comes from your lips, be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Jesus has done for you. Absolutely beautiful. So there are a stack of points in there, as I said. I've whittled it down to three for those that feel like it's not a proper talk unless there are three points. So point one, be dressed in the finery of heaven. Clothe yourself. There's something about that um, Joseph coat of many colours that reflects the radiance. It's like a forerunner of what we've been given that we can clothe ourselves in. Number two, be thankful. It would absolutely transform your world. Have you ever met someone who's thankful and grumpy? I haven't. I tried to think about it. I thought, I can't. I can't think of one. There's something about gratitude. It's so key. Lastly, be drenched. See, three people are going to be drenched next week. We did have one set of baptisms where we all got drenched on the way down to the sea. Um, But hopefully it will be just the three or more if any of you haven't been baptised and would like to publicly declare your yes for Jesus, then bring a change of clothes and don't wear white. That's my top tip. Um, And come on down. We would love to get you in the sea and see you baptised. So one final slide as we need to wrap up because this is wrapping up the whole series. We've done 10 weeks on Colossians. We're only just into chapter 3. The question that this slide asks is, heaven's hope, Jesus, is he enough? 
And if Colossians asks a question and you're ever in doubt, as we said last week, the answer is probably Jesus. Go with Jesus. The book is all about Jesus. This group of people were starting to wander off, believe other things, get caught up in other thinking, get um, distracted by the world. I have no idea what they're talking about. News feeds, no idea what they're talking about. And he says, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Get your news feed to be Jesus, item one. Jesus, item two. Jesus, item three. Item four, item five. It's still Jesus. That is the message of Colossians. He is our completeness, our hope, our model, our example. He is our saviour. He is the sun, S-U-N, around which we as planets orbit. He is front and centre. He existed before everything and is in everything. He is our peace. He is our longing. He is the one who saw me from afar and died for me before I was even born so that I could know the Father. Is he enough? There is simply nobody like him. Never has been never will be. Let's stand and we will wrap up. I know it's been a bit fast today. You can listen to it back, watch it back, pause, make notes. But Father, thank you that we have a home in this Invisible realm. Invisible with human eyes at least. Thank you that Jesus, you are more than enough. You are incredible. And if we ever become complacent, lukewarm, grey, half-hearted, please, we give you permission, give us a kick up the backside. May our hearts skip even as we say the name Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your presence here this morning. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.